it's a special treat for me to be asked to have this conversation today with uh, Tech Sample. Uh, he is to accompany uh, a guest blog for Discipleship Ministries. Uh, I, I kind of call it our Methylebrity uh, guest blog. But uh, anyway, uh, Discipleship Ministries is very thrilled to have him share a wonderful story about um, uh, a new challenge that's facing him and a new chapter in his life. Uh, Tech Sample has uh, been a seminary professor. He's a prolific author. Uh, United Methodists know him well for his writings. Uh, he's been an advocate uh, throughout his career, and now he is a local church pastor. And it's really the story uh, out of his experience as a local church pastor in downtown Kansas City um, that the idea for uh, publishing this blog came Text, thanks a lot for taking the time today. Um, I have to ask you first off, uh, 32 years in a seminary classroom, uh, writing numerous books, um, well known by everybody as um, kind of uh, our United Methodist expert on uh, doing ministry in, in working class communities and those kind of things. Um, how did all that prepare you for this new chapter of getting back into a local church and leading a congregation in a uh, in, a, in a downtown area. Yeah, well, uh, let me say just a couple of quick things about that. Uh, uh, the church I serve is Trinity United Methodist Church. And uh, to, to tell you the truth, I've been in love with that congregation for, oh, decades. Uh, they were a congregation back in the 80s when the AIDS crisis hit, in which some of the members of that church took people who had AIDS took them home with them to take oh, care wow. of. So they've had that kind of, that kind of concern about the community. Oh, of course, I, I've only been there a year and a half, but way before I got there, uh, they have a feeding program uh, twice a week in which they feed uh, about 40 people, I would say, each time. Um, they, uh, they, uh, they now have a, a, a justice task force and we have, now we only have, when I got there, we had 60 real participants. So mm -hmm. if you've got some idea of some uh, sizable church, this is not it. Um, now, we now have 75 participants. Um, and we typically turn out more people, for example, to a community organizing, uh, you know, a big meeting. <clears throat> we'll have 25 there. And uh, often we will have more than any of the large churches that are members simply because our people show up. So passion, I mean, yeah. you need to understand that it's, it's that kind of congregation. And, uh, and uh, my district superintendent, Jim Simpson, who's a former student and a good friend, uh, he asked me if I'd be willing to, uh, to be pastor. And uh, I knew the congregation and all it had done. And so, I said, man, I don't need the money, and I sure don't need any more to work to do, but I just love those people. So, yeah, so I've been there a year and a half, and uh, I'm just I'm thrilled to be the pastor there. So when you came um, a year and a half ago, um, what was uh, what was kind of the, the, the feeling about the congregation? What was the emotional temperature kind of in this congregation? Um, there, you know, they have this active social justice witness and this great history and testimony of that. Yeah. Um, 
it, was that kind of was that um, still present in the congregation? Uh, you know, I kind of read some of your blog that there, there was a little bit of decline, and it started to kind of pick up again. So, tell me a little bit about what the when you first walked in, what was the what was the feeling in the congregation like about themselves and their ministry in the community? Sure. Well, about four years ago, the church had a serious conflict, and I think everybody knows that. No secret. Uh, I think the conflict was between largely some people who wanted to close the church and others who did not. And obviously the ones who wanted to keep it open stayed. Mm -hmm. And I'd also say this, the year before I got there, the Reverend Kyle Hearn, who's, you know, just a terrific pastor, former district superintendent in the works. uh, Kyle went in there and did a great job of stabilization and uh, increased attendance, for example, in worship. And uh, so it was a, 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 a very important uh, contributor to the turnaround that we've got in the church. Now, we've still got a ways to go, but we got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I just want to make sure that, that people know that uh, people like Kyle and others were very important. Yeah. So, so part of the blog is to reflect on um, the church. Had, the physical facility was kind of in, in a particular place. So tell us a little bit more of the background about when uh, – was that yeah. something that they were keenly aware of or that you became kind of aware of when you arrived? And what, yeah. what was the situation there? Well, we were a midtown church. In other words, uh, we're on the equivalent of 35, 35th Street. And uh, Central Business District, uh, you could say that it, uh, in one sense, uh, ends at about 15th. So we're 20 blocks below that. Uh, it had been an area <clears throat> where there was considerable uh, poverty. And uh, what has happened is a wave of gentrification has begun to come through there, especially with uh, literally thousands of millennials coming into the neighborhood in the last few years. So, I mean, there's a very live opportunity uh, for the church in that way as well. And, uh, uh, but, but in that way as well, there's a very uh, real opportunity there. We are beginning to draw some of those young people. Uh, I would say uh, we are, uh, last Sunday we had a good 10 or 12 of them in the congregation. Our average attendance is around 50, uh, but it's been up recently. We were up well over 60 last Sunday. So we're hoping that, uh, you know, that that's going to continue to build. As I said, when I got there, and this was after Kyle had done some important work, Kyle Hearn, uh, we were we were averaging, uh, I think, around 50, and uh, so we are we are we are moving up, uh, but we've we've still got a lot of work to do. But that's our situation. A lot of millennials, and and really a lot of people of all age groups, and our church is uh, a mixture of people, you know, 60 and older, so good many people in their 50s, 40s. Uh, we don't have nearly as many people in their 20s and 30s, but we're hoping to improve that. But the congregation is diverse uh, racially and other ways as well. Do you think that's a, an attractive thing for millennials who are looking for true, a church that really is inclusive? Well, we have some black presence, not as much as I'd like. Uh, we only have three or four people uh, who are African-American. Uh, we have some Hispanic, but again, only a couple. Um, we are half uh, LGBTQ, which gives us kind of a diversity and uh, that is half our congregation and a very important part of our congregation. The um, um, 
so that uh, we work on the diversity continually and uh, hope that that, that improves. I personally am uh, heavily involved in the black community in Kansas City. I'm a member of the Urban Summit, which is basically an organization of the black leadership of the city. I'm also active in the Metro Organization for Racial and Economic Equity, a community organizing effort out of the Gamaliel tradition. And I'm active in Jobs with Justice, which is a group working on jobs in the city. And when I say I'm active, what I want you also to hear is uh, we're very fortunate that we've got a justice task force where uh, I would say uh, a good dozen of our people out of the, you know, active 75 we have now um, are, are, are participants. And, and I, I don't mean they just come occasionally. I mean, they're taking leadership and the rest. So I'm really quite thrilled about the congregation uh, and the work it's doing there. It so, is a congregation of adults. We do not have children. That's another area where we've got to go to work. And we do have children in the area, not, not as many as many places. Uh, I mean, we've got a lot of young couples who, who do not yet have children. So, you know, that's a part of the picture, too. So part of that attraction is kind of a look at the, when you got there, a look at the building and the facilities and what some of the needs were. Because one of the things that's exciting about the blog that you wrote was about um, organizing people in a very generous way to kind of respond to some of the needs that were going on. Tell us a little bit about that whole situation. Yeah. We have a building uh, that is 100 years old. In fact, we celebrated the 100th anniversary this past uh, fall and uh, had really a, a, a great time. We've got some work to do, to do on the building. We've got some uh, work on the roof. We've got a bell tower that needs work. We got some tuck pointing, for example, that needed work. So we decided to, um, uh, to uh, do a capital campaign. And uh, we uh, thought that we could do the kind of work that would at least get things in reasonably good shape in terms of the tuck pointing, the bell tower, and the roof for around $50,000. Now, uh, that's a guesstimate, but that's what we thought. And, and also, uh, uh, as we talked, uh, we thought $50,000 would be quite a challenge for that congregation. You know, when you say you've got 75 uh, real participants, well, you know, those are, those are, some of those are couples. So really, we don't have but about, I'd say, 40-something uh, households. Hmm. And uh, what we did was we began by saying, well, we're not going to announce the capital campaign. We're just going to talk to people individually and just see how much money we can raise before we announce it. Uh, and as I recall, I think we raised something like thirty-five, almost $40,000 just by calling individuals. Uh, in fact, a, a former student of mine, uh, I have a, 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 a Facebook page and I have 5,000 <laughs> uh, people on my Facebook page, mainly because if somebody asked me to be a, a friend, I click yes, you know, whether I know them or not. And right. so uh, a lot of people get on it and they say, well, golly, this isn't a big deal. And so they leave and then I get somebody else. But uh, I keep about 5,000. But I was saying a former student who was on my Facebook page, they gave, uh, oh, what was it, uh, 30, uh, $3,400. You know, well, the point is, we not only raised the 50000 we raised $52,500 and a little more than that. Uh, 
And uh, so we were quite pleased. And, and what's interesting is I was told by our, our uh, uh, business uh, manager, our, our person who kind of runs the church in that sense, she told me that we've, that we've collected now, I believe, 36000 of the 50, and we gave people two years over which to pay it. For example, I think Peggy and I haven't paid ours yet, but we will. Uh, but uh, the uh, so it's pretty clear we're going to we're going to raise the fifty two thousand five hundred, and um, now we're trying to get people to come in, give us a serious look on the roof. For example, we need somebody to do the tunnel, and I've got another person I'm pursuing about the bell tower. So we're ready to go on it. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to paint this picture too rosy. I mean, you know, with with seventy five. Uh, participants and a church that's a hundred years old in a downtown part of the city uh, whose glory years in terms of attendance and you know that kind of thing those are some years back but uh, again um, the 75 people we have they really participate I mean this is not uh, I think the conference says we have a hundred and twenty Four people. That's not the conference. I think the church in the past has said we had a hundred. We don't have anything like 124 people. We have exactly 75 <laughs> people. But but uh, but what a great bunch of people. I mean, I'm I'm having a ball with them. I really am. Well, and you, and you describing a congregation. You know, at discipleship, we keep talking about part of the disciple-making process is to engage with your community. You know, we have to meet people, you know, in the places where they are and get out and engage in that way. And you're describing a congregation that's very engaged with their community. Um, how do you feel that that, did that add some power and impact? I mean, beyond just your, your one Facebook friend, did that add some power and impact to this uh, campaign and your ability to blow past your goal? Yeah, well, what, of course it did. And, and what's amazing is that uh, uh, the, per, the person, she refuses to call herself the chair of the Justice Task Force, but she spent, I believe, over 40 years with the League of Women Voters. So she really knows how to organize mm-hmm. and, um, and, and how to work with people and work a committee. So uh, we've got, uh, I didn't mention that we've got a couple of neighborhood associations we're also active in. She's active in. She has, has other people active in. So, I mean, I am simply amazed. Uh, I, I'm convicted about the notion that 90% of justice is showing up. And, and we've got a showing up congregation. I mean, that is so crucial. And, and uh, I don't feel I do much. You know, I talk to people on the phone. I ask somebody, you, what are you interested in? Let me put it another way. What I try to do is find where there's passion and energy. And then I try to find the way in which that passion and energy uh, would want to be engaged. In other words, I don't put the arm on people to do certain things. I typically uh, try to get with them and find out where they want to be. And then I try to help them do that if I can, or, or somebody else helps them. And, I, and I, I'm not the centerpiece of this. We've got, we've got a, a good group of people. When I say a good group, we're talking about, you know, 10 or 15 uh, people yeah. who, uh, and, and it's really more than that when you start thinking about all, of, all the things that people are doing. So we've got a very active 75 people. That's what it amounts right. to. So, so let me ask a question. When you, when, when you floated this idea of the capital campaign, um, was, there any, was there any kind of fear in that on the part of some of your leaders or whatever that, you know, that, that the numbers seemed 
too big or the goal seemed too high or that, you know, is it not going to feel right if we don't make our goal or whatever? Was there any kind of uh, anxiety in that kind of way when you started out or was everybody kind of convinced this was something you could tackle? I think, uh, well, as I remember the board meeting, people said, that's a great idea. Let's do it if we can. Now, they weren't sure we could do it. I wasn't either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, we've kind of got a, a congregation, I think, that doesn't, that doesn't um, say no. When, some, when there's energy and people want to move, I think we tend to say yes to that. So it's a, it's a yes congregation, if you will. So if you come up with an idea, now, don't come up with an idea and think somebody else is going to do it. You know, if, if you want something done, you better, be, you better have your backside in it also, you understand. So, uh, uh, but, but, but it is a, a permission-giving uh, congregation. Seems to me Lyle Schaller talked about that 30 or 40 years ago, maybe 50. Um, but uh, it's, it's a, the congregation's basic position on, on ideas is yes. And that is so nice. I mean, we don't get this resist uh, you know, drag me into the world, uh, uh, show me where it's going to work before I'm going to get interested in it. We just don't have that, you know. I think those people left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, one of the questions, um, and exactly what you're describing, I, I'm, I'm not a professional fundraiser, but I, you know, I spent a lot of my time networking with those folks, and uh, they'll say exactly the same thing you're saying, that the most important thing for them is is to listen to people who are donors and hear where their passions are more before they ever say a word or ever make a, a pitch or an ask or whatever. But um, one of the things that uh, a lot of churches kind of are afraid is they're afraid sometimes to tackle a campaign like this, that it's going to um, uh, take away from the regular giving that they're counting on to, for the day-to-day operating expenses of mission and ministry. Uh, has that been, has that impacted on the day-to-day kind of offerings and giving that people have done so far? Well, when we, when we talk to people about making a commitment to the capital campaign, one of the things we said explicitly every time, and you know, we began this, as I recall, back in summer, July, August, September. We knew we had our stewardship campaign coming up in uh, October, November. And so we explicitly said to people, now, we do want you to give to the capital campaign. But remember now, we're going to come back to you for our regular budget giving uh, come October, November. So remember that as you make your, make your pledge. Now, let me say, too, uh, our, our, uh, our annual budget is a struggle. I mean, we have, uh, let's see, I believe that our pledges for this year uh, we have about 90, I should have had that in hand, but we have 90-something thousand dollars pledged on a $180,000 budget. However, uh, last year, we had uh, maybe not quite that much, but we have a number of people who will not pledge, uh, but they give something like around $70,000, you know, and I mean, these are regular attenders who regularly give, they just don't pledge. And then, of course, we have um, loose offering. Now, we did not make our budget this year in terms of we need to raise about 180000 a year. See, I, uh, my, I'm, I'm considered part-time, and uh, they pay me 30000 a year. And, um, I, and I told them, I said, look, that's enough money. I don't need more than that. In fact, I don't need the money. Uh, but you need to pay somebody because we got to bill that, that uh, salary. 
and uh, you need to be doing that. And uh, uh, I give a, Peggy and I give a significant amount of money to the church ourselves. But um, the point being, uh, we struggle to make that budget every year. So I, I don't want this to sound like, hey, folks, I just walked in the door and all of a sudden the money just starts coming. That's not true. We have to make our money. We, ha- we have a small endowment, oh, 80000 or so, and uh, we may have to use some of that this year. We had been using a lot of that and had not been using it this year. We may have to use a little of it here at the end of the year. I don't know. While we didn't make our budget, at the end of the year, we'd paid all of our bills. Now, I don't quite understand that. I was trying to get the treasurer to explain it to me. <laughs> but, uh, but I really think we're going to make it. We're, uh, we continue to grow. Um, if, if there were, say, 60 people when I got here and we now have 75, that's a 25% growth in a year and a half. And we continue to get new people. We've got, <clears throat> we've got now six or seven, six, I believe, retired pastors in the church. So, I mean, that's, that's, they make such a contribution. They're so important to our work. And, uh, again, uh, a couple of them are former students. Uh, others are people that just, they know about Trinity, and they know about, you know, its, its own commitments, its work, uh, who it is. And so there's a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of interest in that by some of our retired pastors. So the last question I want to ask you is about um, uh, this idea of, of the church, not just the money and the total that was received, but did you get a sense of kind of a sense? It sounds like this church has felt pretty empowered to do things and to do mission work. But um, a lot of times in my work with, with smaller membership churches, they just feel like they just, they feel disempowered that they just can't do, you know, they can't do anything. They can't take anything on. <clears throat> Did you get any sense from the folks there at Trinity that once you guys were able to do this and go past your goal, that this kind of, was, it, was there a renewal of kind of hope and encouragement for the church and its ongoing ministry? Did you get any sense of that? Well, uh, I, th- I think that what we've got going here is, uh, first of all, I need to say something about the high competence of the people who are in the church. I mean, we've got business people, we've got uh, social workers, uh, educators, uh, professionals, uh, uh, we got people who, you know, own their own business and so forth. Uh, I sometimes say to myself, Sample, you're a fool to stand up and preach in front of a congregation that is as competent and as informed as this one is. So we've got that. As you can imagine, too, you've got people who are fully engaged in their lives, so they're very busy people. But, you know, what I find is that, uh, again, it's that passion thing, finding where they have passion most anybody who's busy has a passion somewhere that's not being met. You know, um, this Sunday I'm preaching on uh, uh, living between two octaves. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, if you think about the piano as, uh, and trying to play a piano only with two octaves, the great expanse of the piano never comes into play. Well, I think there's a sense in which all of us run into that, if not ongoingly, at least sometime, that we're only playing within two octaves. And if you can expand the piano, expand the keyboard, and offer an opportunity for somebody where their passion is and they're not getting that met, I find people, people will do that. They'll make room or they'll reorder priorities or they'll make some commitments. So uh, I think 
living outside two octaves <laughs> than having a congregation prepared to do that. I think that's very important. And yes, we have uh, we have very busy people, and uh, and uh, and there are people who are willing to move outside the two octaves. I don't mean to suggest all of our people are restricted to two octaves. They are not. But I'm saying that, that that imagery for me captures something in my own life at times when I'm playing too much, too close right here. I need to move out. And we've got people like that, and they do so. Let me say one other thing, too. We had a wonderful uh, 100th anniversary this fall. And we had four concerts. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness, one by an exquisite uh, organist who came in, played our 100-year-old organ, uh, and we had that thing worked on and fixed up. Uh, we had a, the, the Kansas City Six, which is a jazz group that came in. Um, we had a, a young man who's a, a fine pianist who did a, 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 a concert for us. And we had um, the, uh, a young man uh, who both sings and plays instruments. And he's quite popular in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the secular world as well as in, among churches. And he came in, and uh, it was just, uh, it was an extraordinary series. We had very good attendance for it. And uh, I think that also helped the general spirit of the church through the, through the fall and contributed to what happened with our capital campaign. And uh, we've got real commitments in terms of giving. Our problem is we've just got 75 people. So we got to grow it and pay the bills and, uh, and, uh, and follow Jesus. I mean, there it is. <laughs> That's a formula that everybody needs to. We all need to follow that smaller membership church, larger membership church. It's just we all have got to have got to connect there. Uh, text. That's great. Anything that I didn't ask you that you want to add in here that um, maybe they can put as part of this accompaniment? Well, again, uh, I think the only thing I'd want to say is that, you know, I'm 85 years old and, uh, I uh, I really don't need a job. <laughs> and the only reason I'm there is because of this terrific congregation. And I love the congregation. I just feel privileged to be the pastor. I mean, quite frankly. And uh, if we can continue to grow and I can stay with this another, you know, two, three, four, five years. I was teasing with him the other day and said, I'd like to stay till I'm 90. And more. Uh, if, uh, if we can uh, grow and strengthen it. We've also, for example, we want to hire a seminary student. One of the things we've got to do is increase our salary, not to pay me more. I don't need more. Mm -hmm. But if we could, say, pull in another $20,000 a year, maybe grants or something else, uh, or let me say one other thing before we finish to remind me of that about rents, rentals. Uh, but I'd love to see us bring in a young uh, St. Paul student at the seminaries here in town, as you know, St. Paul School of Theology, where I taught, and and have that person begin to work with the young people in the neighborhood. Up, and We literally have thousands of millennials up and down the street, but get somebody in there. I, I don't, uh, while we're reaching some of those folks, uh, again, about a dozen maybe, uh, I don't think I can do that. Uh, I mean, I, in terms of my age and, and the rest. But if we can bring in that St. Paul student, that'll do a couple of things that will expand our salary base uh, gradually, of course, and uh, make it possible when I do leave for someone uh, to come in who can be adequately paid to give us the kind of, uh, of uh, uh, pastoral uh, leadership we need. So that's key. 
We are also looking at rentals. Uh, we have had people, we rented space, for example, to the Broadway uh, church in town, and uh, then they bought their own space. We're looking now for another congregation to share space with us. Uh, we've had some uh, one group working on jobs that's had space in our building, uh, and they moved to another location. So that's an important piece, too. We've got a parking lot. We're renting parking spaces over there to a school that's behind us, and we're also renting spaces to uh, uh, people who live in apartment buildings in the area. Uh, that's a, a place where we could sure raise some money, and we need to do so. So we're working at it, and we've got work to do, and it's no, uh, it's no uh, easy road for us right now. We've just got some good, hard work to do, but I think we've got a congregation that'll do it. Well, that sounds like you're on the money, and uh, we sure appreciate it. And we know that uh, folks are going to be blessed by the blog and um, the enthusiasm that that's going to hopefully inspire in congregations, not just smaller membership churches, but all churches that are, everybody's kind of struggling with, with finance and challenges, and, and especially with getting beyond their walls and engaging with their community. And that's uh, something that... Uh, Trinity seems to have gotten a good grasp on and uh, has a good history of. So um, that's great. I want to say thanks to you um, and appreciate the time that you've given us today. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.